advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang from The Raw Entrepreneur. And today, I have a very special lady all the way from Canada. Her name is Julianne Lee from the Adored Beast Apothecary. And I have followed her for a few years now, and I'm... I'm awestruck because I have this silly thing about me when I have people that I admire, I would love to interview them and share their story with you. And then I become really stupid because I stutter a lot. So today I promise you I'm going to be stuttering a lot because she's one of those people really up there on my list. (laughs) So hi, Julie. Thank you for saying yes and joining my podcast. Hi. Well, that's that's so funny. You just seen me like two hours ago with my arms in horse poo up to my, I don't even know where, I think you would be stuttering less. So don't, don't worry. That's pretty funny. Um, oh no, superhero. You're my superhero. You do rescue work. So I, I love you for that because rescue work is, 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 a, is part of my life as well. So I, I adore you even more. Um, could you share with everyone who is Julianne Lee, please? Oh boy. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a long one. Um, who am I? I'm, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, my mom always used to say to me, it was hard to explain who I was because I never fit into a box. I could never be sort of contained in, in one, in, in one area. So I think I grew up on a rescue and um, my mom, my mom was actively involved in rescue entire life. I don't remember when she wasn't. And so that whole compassionate, empathetic um, part of my journey, I would say, is, is directly related to my mom and my, and my, my childhood. And I think that that really, my mom used to say to me, you know, even at four and six years old, there would be, you know, maybe a little bit of a dog fight or a tuffle, or we would get something in that was quite sick and everybody would be running around sort of semi-hysterical and she would turn around and I would be sitting there with like my hand on, 
onwards was bleeding or because I had seen that before or, you know, I was just, it just kind of came naturally to me. I think I often say that, that it, I don't think I can describe me as me because I feel like I, and I don't mean this in a, in a weird wacky way, but I feel like I, it's, it's almost like I channel stuff. Like I, sometimes I sit and I look at what I've done or I look at, you know, a case that I, that I've treated that everybody was like, no, it's going to be put down. It's impossible, blah, blah, blah. And then they do amazing. And I, and I kind of go, I don't even know how I really did that. Like I must be channeling Hahnemann or I must be channeling, like I must be it's something, something bigger is happening here. Um, so I, I was quite um, stubborn as a kid and um, I always had animals. I'd, I started getting horses when I was really young as well. And I wanted to ride competitively. So I was riding my horses competitively and um, my, my, mom want, my mom didn't care if I had gone to school till I was 85 years old. My father wanted me to get a career, get a job and get my life sorted. And I was all over the map. I, I didn't do very well in high school. I was too sensitive. I, I, I think that even way, way back pediatrician, I think I was probably 10. And they said that, that I was an empath a long time ago because I was so sensitive to smells like diesel fumes, I was sensitive to animals getting hurt. I would not stop be able to cry. I wouldn't, couldn't, they couldn't calm me down. I would be crying so much. I was sensitive to material, like synthetics and things. And the pediatrician that said I was an empath, my father said she was crazy and didn't want to take her back, take me back there. But my mom kept going. But anyways, I, I, I really struggled in high school. Really, really struggled in high school. I had a, a fairly tumultuous upbringing. Um, you know, my dad was a, a wonderful man, very creative, incredibly brilliant, but he was a he was a pretty severe alcoholic. And my mother was um, this incredibly gifted healer slash really really smart too. So I had this incredible life, but it didn't come without some darkness and 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 whatever. But um, I think that, that I had, I really struggled when I went to high school and I went to high school in grade seven and cause I lived on a farm and everybody was trekked in from all over the place. And I, and I, I didn't handle it very well. Cause back then the teachers weren't very nice to the children that were less fortunate and they were really nice. A lot of the teachers were really nice to the ones that were really, you know, either wealthy or it was, it was, wasn't fun for me. I had a, very hard time. So in grade nine, I tried struggling through for seven and eight and I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing very well. And in grade nine, um, I was really rebelling, like big time rebelling, you know, we're not allowed to wear ripped jeans. Well, I would always wear ripped jeans. We weren't allowed to wear halter tops. So I'd always wear halter tops. Like I was just, I was like super rebellious. So, which probably is amazing because it prepared me for my future of, of, of not giving up. Right. My mom did that for me. So my mom talked to them and I had a really amazing art teacher that, that thought I was really 
creative and, and, and gifted and smart and whatever. And everybody else was saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. And I could look at pro mathematical problems and figure it out, but I couldn't figure it out the way they wanted me to figure it out. So I'd be like, well, then you know what, too bad. If I can't figure it out the way I wanted them, they're not going to do it at all. So anyways, my mom took me out and put me in an art high school in Toronto. And it was the first of its kind. And I, she drove me like an hour and 20 minutes, just one way to take me there every day. And um, when I got there, I wanted to major in music. It was very small. I think there was only about 60 kids in total in the whole high school. And um, she, I wanted to do music, you know, when we went. So I tried to do music and I couldn't learn. I couldn't learn music, right? I could, I could do it by ear. But I could not, I, I couldn't compute reading music and then playing music. So my one teacher said to my mom, I'd really like to have her checked out, like the way she learns. And I think she's a really smart, smart girl, but I think she learns differently than most children and whatever. So I went and they said that I had not a disability, but I just, back then, that was a long time ago, um, I guess they called it a type of a disability, right? Where I couldn't, it's like, it's so cool over here saying right in your left brain. It's like, it's like they, 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 they work, they work together with me. Like I can't, I can't separate it. Like I work from such a creative space and I work so intuitively and I, and I question so much. Like I never stop questioning even now. I question everything. I want to know everything. I want to get into everything. And so I wound up dancing. I wound up doing ballet. Wow. So then I was like, my father's like, oh, great. She wants to be a writer. She wants to be a ballerina now. She still wants to be a vet because I wanted to be a vet too when I was like, <laughs> and he's like, what, what are you, what the heck are you actually going to do with your life? Go to school forever. And my mom would be like, yeah, well, if she wants to go to school, anyways. So, yeah, and I went to Russia, and I was really into dance, and um, um, you know, very much into like I, I embarrassed my father all the time because I used to canvas for the seal hunt when I was eight years old, and my dad was so embarrassed because I would be knocking on people's door to get signatures and stuff back then, and it just back then he just didn't do stuff like that in the '60s. It was just really embarrassing for my dad. And so he would fight with my mom and tell my mom that he didn't want me to do that. And my mom's, my mom's reaction was she would just drive me to more places, right? She would just take me wherever I wanted to go. So it, I got to a point where it's like, okay, what do I really want to do? And I was really seriously thinking I'm going to vet school, but I was, I actually wound up becoming on going, getting onto the Ontario equestrian team in Ontario and um i kind of derailed the vet school thing so that i could stay home and and ride and compete and then i gave up ballet because i couldn't do everything and then i went to school and did a veterinary technician and i also went to humber college and got and got my equine science degree so i i worked conventionally in a very large vet clinic for a long time and well, it felt like forever, but it was probably not that long. So I think it was probably about, about eight years, but I hated it. 
I loved it, but I absolutely hated it. And and I and I went really far, really fast. Like I was doing all the biopsies, and I was doing all the biopsies, and I was doing. I had a lot of a lot of responsibility for a very large mixed practice, so and, uh, large animals and small animals. Right. And um, but I started seeing really fast, like an animal would get vaccinated, and then very quickly after that they'd start getting itchy or they'd get an ear infection. And if I would talk about it, this was a long time ago, right? Like this was like in the 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 eighties. And um I would just get shut down right away. Oh, it's got nothing to do with that and don't be ridiculous. And they'd be like, yeah, but you know what? It, it, I'm not being ridiculous. I'm sitting in this lab, you know, seven, eight hours a day and it's it's becoming in, in really clear that this is happening. And my, I was raised holistically, like we didn't get vaccinated. My brother went to see a, a, a herbalist and a naturopath for his asthma. Like, my God, he's 70, 70 something, 72. My mom would have taken him probably when he was five, you know? So my mom, I was really, I kind of really jumped fence into the con conventional, you know, you should be vaccinating. Don't stop feeding them that. You know, my grandma and my mom never fed dog food or cat food ever when I was growing up. Nothing got it. They all got home cooked. They didn't get raw. They got raw bones and things like that, but they got home cooked diets, everything. And nothing was vaccinated. And if something got hurt on the farm, then the horse vet would come, the cow vet would come usually and take a look at it. Anyways, at one point, they kind of sat me down. I was, I think I was probably about 20. And they said to me, you know, Julie, we love you to bits, but um, ever since you've been doing this, everything's getting sick. And this, we think that this is your path, but I think we, you need to look at a different thing. Anyways, I knew better and then didn't listen to them. And then my dog got cancer, my own dog. And I was devastated because it was four years old and I, I knew there was no way I was gonna go the conventional route with my own animal. So I talked, I was, I said to my mom, what do I do? And she said, take him to, it's okay. Take him to, um, Virginia. So I did. And I wound up having, we started treating him and he had a tumor probably in his colon. And, um, they wanted to do a bunch of stuff. I said, no, I'm taking him to a board certified, um, uh, oncologist and surgeon. So we went, we had the, the uh, appointment and he said, it's, this is going to be really a difficult surgery. We're going to have to resect some of his bowel, blah, 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 blah. So I took him home. They couldn't get him in for about, I think it was like 11 days. He couldn't get in. I had already started treating him with Virginia and we were doing, she was doing like SEX suppositories, anal suppositories. We were doing like everything with this dog, home cooked, home cooked and herbs and you name it. And then um, I took him back and they called me. I had got a hotel so far away. They called me and I was like, oh my God, he died. And they said, we don't know what you're, what you're doing but you need to keep doing it. He, he can actually go home. He can go home tomorrow morning. He doesn't have to stay for five days. We didn't have to resect anything. The tumor went from the size of a lemon to like the size of a small walnut. Um, wow. We were able to remove it all. And that just started my whole career, right? I was just like, okay, 
this dog is is this dog is my this dog is my um um he was a he was he was such an incredible dog i had a lot of anxiety when i was a kid and um this dog was this dog was was my my guide i think i i felt immediately safe the minute i got him i only mm-hmm. ever felt safe with animals i didn't ever really feel safe with people as a kid so um Anyways, he, once he recovered, I was like, what do I want to do? I don't even know what I want to do. Like, I, I want to do something, but I don't, but I was at a point where I didn't think I wanted to work with animals anymore because I couldn't stand what I was seeing in clinics. I didn't like how they treated them. I didn't like, I didn't feel like they treated them well. I felt like they, they, they were treated like, 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 like they didn't have a soul almost. Like they were all, they were, they were very disconnected in, in the way they were handled even so i wanted to do people so once rudy recovered i went to spain to visit my girlfriend and i got very sick in spain um with a like almost like an inflammatory bowel thing that i used to get with from my nerves and stuff but i got i used to get really sick and be off for two weeks right so like bloody diarrhea the whole nine yards i got sick in spain wound up going to the hospital and they treated me homeopathically in the hospital and which again was another gift for me right because i i didn't i was thinking chiropractic naturopathy like for people and i remember my my girlfriend's boyfriend was trying to translate and the doctors came in like the regular doctors and then when they found out that it was often um like it was a repetitive thing that i was getting it was a chronic thing and that i was very stressed and whatever they went and they the doctor came back started asking me about my dreams and about all this stuff. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die in Spain. <laughs> Just get me home. <laughs> Give me my dreams. Like, really? Give me some IV. Give me some of this. Give me like, so, but they treated me homeopathically and I was backpacking in four days. Wow. So again, intervention on some level. Absolutely. Without a doubt, I needed to find out what homeopathy was because I didn't even know what homeopathy was. So when I came back, I started researching it and I was going to go to England, but then everything was going to have to go into quarantine. And I didn't want my animals going into quarantine, but I was prepared to do it. And then all of a sudden someone contacted me and they were opening a school at, at in the, the University of British Columbia. So I flew out, they were opening a program there. So I flew out and was interviewed and, and wrote preliminary exams and whatever. And I got in, got in and I moved to BC. And I had full intentions of moving back home to Toronto, but I remember walking in and was like the, I don't know, third day maybe. And I was driving my, my anatomy and, and physiology professor nuts. Cause all of a sudden, like, again, I keep looking at your thing in the background, all of a sudden I just started computing all of this thing, for, all of this stuff for animals. Right. So I kept saying, well, would this work and blah, 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 blah. Would this work and blah, blah, blah. He's like, Hey, Julie, you need to like be quiet already because this is a human program, not an animal one. Just go to go to go to England and do the British Homeopathic Veterinary Surgeons course. What is that? So, anyways, I looked into it, and but you had to be a vet, and I wasn't a vet. So then my professor he took it because it was it's actually for medical in England. You have to be a medical licensed medical doctor or licensed veterinarian in order to practice homeopathy so you have to go back to school for three years and after you've graduated 
Okay. Make a long story short, he got me into it. So I did four years in UBC with human homeopathic medicine. I got my degree in that. And then I went for three years to England and did the first homeopathic But I got in and then it was just like magic, you know, like you talk about having a path in your life, right? Like I, I just feel like I, I came back and because BC is so progressive, BC is like California, they're very, very holistically oriented. Right. It's a very okay. progressive, holistic uh, province. And I hadn't even graduated and I was getting people calling me, including veterinarians saying, I've heard what you've done. I heard what you're doing. Do you want to come in? You know, I've got a couple of patients here that were just sort of have our hands up in the air. We don't know what to do anymore. Wow. So then I started practicing. Then a, a veterinarian called me and said, I did Dr. Richard McCarran's course, but I really don't feel like I have the knowledge that I want. Would I be able to shadow you? And I'm like, that's going to shadow me. That's pretty cool. So I said, absolutely. So he came along in my little house call practice that I was tooting around in. And um, before I finished, even graduated. And then um, we opened a little business together, him and I. And the vet association said, no, 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 no. <laughs> no that's not going to happen. <laughs> and that started my very, very... Mm. I don't want to use the word fight. I hate, I hate using the word fight, but my tenacity to do what I felt like the world needed to have done, I guess, maybe rather than fight. And the vet association said, you can't have this. You have to be a veterinary hospital. And I said, but I don't want to be a veterinary hospital because we don't want to do surgeries and we don't want to do this. We just want to be a referral clinic. No, you can't do that. It's illegal, blah, blah, blah. So that I started, I was like, okay, fine. I'll be a veterinary clinic. Tell me what to do. So we went through the process and we became the first licensed holistic veterinary, strictly holistic veterinary clinic in Canada, probably all of North America. Because most what clinics- What year was that? Off, that was in 2000. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I graduate. I started practicing in 97, but um, this was 2000 that- it actually, we actually got our, our license. And what happens a lot is that you're already a, a, a veterinary clinic and then you just start practicing acupuncture or you start practicing homeopathy or chiropractics. And then you just, people know you as a holistic clinic, right? Right. But not, there was nothing that didn't, there, they didn't exist. They didn't, know, they didn't even know how to license me. They wanted me to buy a whole bunch of drugs. I said, no buying all those drugs so we're not going to use them so you need to help me work on this right like i'm like anyways so we got licensed which was amazing and it took off i had a big interview in vancouver sun and my gosh we just grew exponentially so fast but then they switched the people that were on the vet association and they the person that was the president then didn't like me very much mm. really didn't agree with holistic medicine so they brought in a private investigator and started saying that i did all, i know it was cost i had a second mortgage my house it it 
was close to $200,000 in legal fees to, wow. I got, I was so done when I found out that they did that, that I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done now. If that's how you want to play. Then I guess that's how I'm going to have to play. I got divorced from my husband because he didn't think that I should fight. Right. Because we had to, like I said, I had to second mortgage my house to do it. And, um, we wound up, I wound up, I would say winning because we came to, after $196,000 later, we came to a, a mutual agreement of how it could be, how I could practice and how it would, how it would be run. And it was amazing. I mean, I had full reign to basically do anything except I had to have a licensed veterinarian, um, see a first time client with me. But I could do all the protocols, I could do the treatments, I could do the, do the follow-up, I could say I wanted blood work done, I could do whatever, right? So I was going to a summer school with Rajan Sankaran and George Volthukit. Like I went all over with these guys all over the world to do summer, summer school programs. And one of my mentors, Dr. Sue Armstrong, a veterinarian, and we became like sisters. And I finally, I was so upset about this big fight that I had with these guys. I said, you know what? They can just, whatever, you'd have to bleep bleep what I would, what I actually said. And uh, um, I'm going to go back and just be a vet. I'm going to go back and get my vet license and they can all like just frig off, right? Like I'm just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to allow them to do this to me anymore. And she said to me, okay, Julie, calm down. She said, if you have four years to go back to school, she said, you know so much. You know too much to go back to vet school. When you go to vet school, your mind is like clear. It's like a slate. You're going to go to vet school and you're going to challenge every single solitary thing that they're teaching you. It's going to be horrible for you. If you have the time, money, and energy to go back to school, Go be the best homeopath you can possibly be. And that was the beginning. I mean, I went to I went to George Volthukis in Greece and Rajan Sankaran in India, and I went to summer schools in, in Ireland, and I went all over the world to get training, trained with some of the Chris Day, like all the big guys. And um, and it was the best thing that best advice she ever she ever ever said to me because what wound up happening. You know, you know, when you think about, I always say that all the animals that I've rescued or all the animals that I've been involved in are, are, they must be my angels because I've been able to do things that when you think about it, it's like, she should not have been able to do this. So even though it was a horrible thing that happened that they, you know, they took me to court and all of that stuff. Even though that was awful, what wound up happening is they forced me to, to, to be a veterinary hospital, which grew exponentially. After three years, I opened a 7,000 square foot fully licensed veterinary hospital with a chiropractor, wow. and acupuncture, full circle, for, um, full service with like, so we had scopes and ultrasounds and I had board certified surgeons coming in once a week and like it was massive. And then I started working with like, the universities, right? They would call me and, and ask me questions about homeopathy and cancer and, and all of that stuff. So even though it felt like an attack, 
or even though it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get to do this. I'm climbing Mount Everest. This is never going to happen. And blah, blah, blah. it was the best thing they could have ever done for me because they forced me to become something that I grew exponentially from. I treated almost 35,000 animals when I sold my product. Wow. So it, it, I always look at our challenges to be as profound and important in our lives as our, as our wonderful times, you know, like if we learn by them and, and trust that that's a bigger process, that, that, that there's a bigger, if you're coming from your heart, there's a bigger, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta believe that there's a bigger reason for it, you know, like why is it happening? So yeah. And then, you know, I, I started doing, um, uh, I started making a lot of my own products at the hospital, right? Not me personally, but I would get my my hospitals, my hospital nurses and things to, you know, go and buy slippery elm and go and buy this and go and buy that. And I got a lot of in-stage stuff the first five years that I in my career. Mm -hmm. everything that no one else could fix. Cancers and and aggression that they were gonna be euthanized if I couldn't help with aggression and like just really, really, really sick, sick, sick animals. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we've spent $30,000 or we've spent $10,000 or we have no more money or if you can't help my dog, cat, horse, whatever it is, we have to euthanize them, right? Because we don't have any, we're, we've run out of ideas, vets are saying that they can't do anything. So that was good too, even though it was like hard on me because I worked 24 seven, I was always on call. Um, it was hard on me, but I learned a lot, like a lot. And one thing I learned was that I would take the case and, um, it would take me, you know, a while to figure it out when I was a newbie and all of a sudden, but first thing I would do is put them on a raw food diet and, you know, until I could figure out what homeopathic remedies to put them on. And so often just changing their diet when i would call the receptionist would call up and say you know julie's got the remedies ready for you oh can you please tell her that like already he's so much better or already she's so much better and it's like okay well this is you know i'm on to something but then what was so cool is that they would get an upset if they got an upset like a gi upset mm -hmm. i would start them on probiotics right i would do like a like a gut thing with them and then they got they'd be on like I would be treating them for cancer, let's say. And then all of a sudden they would get a GI upset and I would give them something to do with their guts. And then all of a sudden their cancer would get better. And this started happening so much that I said, and that, that, that started my voyage on gut health, which was 20 years ago, studying the microbiome. So thinking, okay, there's gotta be something this is too much of a coincidence, right? These animals mm. are getting better when they have gut issues and I treat their gut issues. So anyways, and then I just, you know, I, I, my receptionist used to say, Julie, like, honestly, like you need to be making this stuff and selling it because you have certain formulas that you're, you're kind of given to everybody and everybody. And I was like, yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll start a apothecary and do it, whatever. <laughs> and then I, 
I had five clinics in five veterinary hospitals in, in, in Vancouver. And um, one, one I didn't own, I, I, I opened a big wing for them. But I also, I also did a program for UBC and taught a holistic veterinary medicine program that I held at UBC. And then I got burnt out. I sold my practice. I sold everything because I thought, well, now there's lots of people that can do what I do. And I moved out here and now I have a, a farm and a rescue and I'm doing a diabetes and a cancer, when was that? cancer research. <laughs> when, when was that? I moved out here six years ago from okay. BC. Wow. Yeah. Cause I thought, all right, I, there's enough. When I first opened, there wasn't anybody else. People thought I flew in on a broom. I was the, I was my clinic and Dr. Roosh and I were the, were the people that speared antibody titer tests in Canada. They didn't exist. And okay. we worked with the, we worked with the, um, the labs in, in BC to start doing titer tests because I used to send all my titer tests to the, to the U S to see rather than vaccinating. Right. And, um, you know, I was teaching people, they did, there was no such thing even as commercial raw pet food back then. Mm. I was teaching people how to make it because there wasn't, it didn't exist. And so it was exponentially different. And I, and my doctor said to me, you need to take a break. You've been on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day for like 18 and a half years. You have no cortisol. Your adrenals are burning out. You need to do something. So I had horses. I wanted to be closer to my mom. So I came out to Nova Scotia and started looking at farms and bought a farm and moved my whole crew out here. And then four years ago, um, started working with a scientist on cancer projects at Dalhousie University. And yeah, so now we're working on a cancer, cancer treatment and cancer research. And, and that's wow. it. And this morning I was up to my arm with in horse manure. End <laughs> 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 of my life. Uh, you, you have such a huge heart. You gave, you, you really give everything you have for every, every, I think every mission that you feel, every task, every rescue that you do, um, you know, just listening to your story, you know, it's like, I, you know, the hair is actually standing on, on my skin because it's, it's so moving. It's, it's, it's very touching, you know, listening to, to you and, and, you know, while you, while you spin a very good yarn, there's so much, you know, emotion, undercurrents there that, you know, you can sort of feel, you know, um, the intensity that you have, that love and passion that you have, the empathy, you know, because uh, you said you're, you're sensitive and, and being burnt out. I think, you know, it, it shows like you gave your all, your, your all to 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 it and it literally depleted you in 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 such a way you know that you know i'm very thankful that you actually stopped and you and you moved and 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 set up your rescue work because you're such a beautiful soul i i don't know what else can i say but you know you're amazing you're amazing you know wow. thank you thank you but you know i feel like 
I kind of, I feel, I feel like, um, it's, it, like, I moved out here, I started Adored Beats Apothecary, once I moved out here, a year after I moved out here, and, um, you know, with my work with Dalhousie University, and the, the, you know, my lecturing and writing and everything, but I, but I feel like, I honestly feel that when I'm saying, when I'm saying that, that like when you say I have such a big heart and I have whatever, I feel, I feel, I just feel how I feel. I feel really connected. I don't feel like there's a separation. When I, when I see an animal or I see something or I, I, you know, some people have said to me, oh my gosh, Julie, you need to, I'm actually, I'm actually um, um, working with somebody right now to try and see if I can, learn how to because sometimes I feel like that empath stuff is such a gift but it's mm -hmm. also a a curse a little bit and I'm learning how to I'm really learning how to navigate that because you know I have a hard time just driving by a field with cows in it if they don't have if they don't have shade or they don't have whatever um I I I, I feel like I don't, there's no disconnection. Like I just, it's like, I don't feel like it's my heart. I feel like it's, I, I don't, I don't feel like there's a difference, right? I don't feel like there's a separation. And I, and I feel like that, um, you know, especially with COVID and things like that, I think there's, there's so much, there's so much potential for us paying attention, paying attention to nature, what nature's teaching us with COVID because it's teaching us huge amounts that people are gonna listen. I hope they do. Um, that that, you know, when you talk about, you know, like I was one of the first kids on the block doing this, but there's so many of us right now. And and that's why I love what you do. Because we kind of have to stick together in this. And I and I find that um, we tend not to. We tend to be very uh, competitive, right? Because, because it's still not, we're still not under that umbrella of conventional medicine. Conventional medicine is very protective, right? Mm. It's very protected. It's protected by its, its so big associations, big pharma, lots yeah, of organized. money, organized stuff. And, you know, conventional medicine is, is amazing in, in, in its, in its, in its space. Like, like don't get me wrong. Like, Good conventional medicine is, I, I don't even like saying it's good conventional medicine. Good, good medicine is good medicine, whether it's on this side of the fence or on this side of the fence. Bridge them together, that's great medicine. So I, I think that that whoever, like when you are putting together people like this, and you were talking about entrepreneurs and people that are like visionaries, people that are following their passion, I think it's so vital that we all do this together, that we support each other exponentially because people are, people want to hear, we're, we're coming into a time in our, in, in our history that things like COVID, things like we don't know, conventional medicine has no, has no, they don't know what to do, right? They don't know what to do. And, and this is when, you know, ecologists and environmentalists and 
um, and animal advocates and well animal welfare and holistic medicine and quantum physics and I mean you name it this is when all of that sort of needs to be stepping in because I think it's very clear for me it's very clear that there's a better way and it's not just like you know oh our new life I don't think it's our new life I think it's I think it's like or the the new old or whatever I don't think it's that I think it's an opportunity to have a great life and in, in, in a much healthier world, in a much more connected, um, compassionate way that we work together, right? As a, as a community, as 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 everything, right? And and who does that? What does that? I only well, my mom was like incredible that way, but it's just we need to. For me, I feel like we just need to pay attention to nature like really pay attention to nature not the fractionized nature or the compartmentalized nature of just supplements or just diet or just whatever because it's not just supplements diet it's it's we live in it we're breathing it every day we but we aren't we don't notice it we're not connected with it and i think really to do that pardon energetics vibrational energy vibrational energy trees what are trees teaching us what mm -hmm. is earth teaching us i mean covid is was uh, was terrible but covid covid gave us a scientific empirical research project that environmentalists and scientists were saying for we could never do okay we could never we could we could never bring down the pollution rate to this point ever again you know there's no way we could do it and like we're kind of you know we've kind of you know you could ourselves or ever getting that back in two weeks i think i think i think i read this article where three times as many people survived in china in the time of lockdown that would have died from upper respiratory diseases from copd so only a third of the normal amount of people in general died of covid and when they shut everything down, three times as many people survived because of the of the air quality, right? Yeah. We could see the Himalayans for the first time in 70 years. So yeah. I kind of feel like, well, why aren't we hearing that on the news? Why aren't we why aren't we paying attention to that? Mm -hmm. Is COVID like it's like, okay, I had a, a rough life, but what did I learn about from that rough life? I had a rough episode with a vet association but what did i learn what happened what's the amazing thing that kind of catapulted me into that i look at covid the same way it's like what what are we learning here what are we seeing here that could catapult the whole that could take our whole earth and 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 make a better life for everybody one that's going to be sustainable one that's not going to burn up one that's you know where like i because I, now i know now we know we actually can no environmental or no scientist that government scientist is going to be able to say to us now there is no global warming or we could never bring that back to that it's like okay hello guess what we did because the world did it together and look how mother nature look how resilient our earth is mm. we're equally as resilient we just have to 
shake our ego off a little bit and move outside of ourselves and go, what can we do as a, as a, as the world, as a group of humans, what can humanity do? Yeah. And for me, it's like, listen to nature. What is she teaching us? What is she telling us? You know, I think, I think it's, um, I think we could use it as a, as a, as a huge opportunity. Yeah. So what you're doing is incredibly important because you're bringing a community together, right? You're, you're, you're bringing people together of like mind to support people of like mind, that energetic power, that, 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 that resonance is incredibly powerful rather than it's all being like individual. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. You know, I was, I used to tell my friends because of this COVID thing, a lot of people were talking about doom and gloom with COVID-19, but I actually yeah. look at it as a blessing uh, personally, because I think it forced men, mankind to slow down and to reconnect with themselves a bit because you know, yeah. we rely so much on technology, on creature comforts, you know, that yeah. we, we actually lost touch with nature, you know, yeah. and, and the fact that when we had the lockdown, the whole world, you know, Mother Earth actually healed herself. You see the air, you see the water, you see wildlife coming back to places where there weren't any wildlife. You know, and that's a very strong message to us. And I really hope that the that the world mankind is listening as a race, as humanity, as a species, because this is a wake up call telling us that look, respect nature, work with nature, or you know, you will become extinct because we we cannot survive with the plants, but the plants can survive without us. Easily. You know, they, they, animals in the in the world or the nature will survive much better with us without us. Yeah, correct. Yeah, right? that's that's my that's my personal yeah. opinion as well. So you know, sometimes I know it sounds like some people might might hate me for this, but in a way, I think the coronavirus or whatever pandemic that's gone through history, diseases is a way of naturally culling the human race. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, it sounds terrible, but sometimes mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, the way we disrespect the earth and the way we, you know, procreate and we just, you know, litter and pollute and everything, this is mother's nature's way in a way to, okay, all right, we've got to, we've got to rebalance here because, you know, we're tipping over, you know, mm-hmm. and it happens to animals. It happens to us because we are animals as well. At the end of the day, we're mammals. Well, I, I think that that's personally, my personal opinion, is I think that that's why it's happening because I think, I mean, Jane Goodall is one of my all-time, like, like she is, she is like my hero. And I hear um, you. Same. she's one of the most brilliant people I've ever, I've ever known. And I've never seen her get so um, stern as when I heard her talk about COVID. And she said, you know, we've been predicting this. Scientists have been predicting this for years and years and years. And our, our inhumanity of how we treat wildlife, our inhumanity of how we 
how we feel we are superior as, as a species Correct. is going to be the detriment. We, we are, if we, if we don't pay attention, like I talked to Carl Safina when I did that Stronger Together, mm -hmm. um, I talked to Carl Safina and I said, you know, it, it just, it, 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 it blows me away where you can look at whales who were, you know, almost extinct because of whaling. Um, they're, they're two, they're like, I don't even, two million years. I don't even remember how, how old they are. Like it's, it's, it's. They're ancient. Ancient. And, and we're like 60,000 years or whatever. And we're um, like, we could possibly be looking at extinction. And he said, not possibly. We are looking at extinction. If we don't learn why this is happening, if we can't, if we can't, but we're always about blame, right? Like we have to blame, oh, it's that country's fault or it's that country's fault or it's this fault. It's like, we need to get out of that blame game and go, why did it happen? Who cares how, why? Who, care, who, who cares whose fault it is? Let's find out why this happened so it doesn't happen again. Because if you think for one second, like this is a repeat of, you know, oh, antibiotics are safe. Antibiotics are good. Everybody take antibiotics. Everyone get, and now we have bacteria and antibiotics, right? Because nature ultimately is smarter than us. Yeah. Always. You know, so yeah. you take you take animals and you crowd them. And you take animals and you treat them atrociously and you have you have people ingesting animals that have been living in the blood of another animal because they've been slaughtered above them and the blood's pouring down on top of them and then you have animal other animal feces mixed in with that and you have overcrowding in front like factory farms and you you know, you, we are creating cross-species contamination. It's our, it's not any country's fault. It's human, human error because we feel like we are, we are superior, right? Yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't, we're, we're really disconnected. So, you know, mad cow disease, avian flu. I mean, those are all man-made diseases. Those aren't nature you know, natural diseases. Those are diseases made by man. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, well, how do we even, how do we even deal with this? They don't even know. And it's going to happen again. It's going to, it's, we're going to get a different, just a different virus, just a different outbreak. If we don't figure out why it happened yeah. and, and, and fix the problem, it's mm -hmm. just going to be a different virus. It's going to mutate into something. They'll find a vaccine two years later it's going to mutate into something else and we're going to have the same problem right yeah. like it's just it's and it's just going to get stronger and stronger so you know i'm not it's not like i'm anti-vax this or i'm 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 anti-stupid really you know like people that want to vaccinate they want to spend gazillions of dollars finding a vaccine have adder but that is not going to protect us yeah. from this continuing to happen and get worse every single time it does. Yeah. You know, we just gotta, we gotta figure out why, you know, we gotta come together with our hearts and our minds, not just our minds and, and, and kind of our greed, mm. but with, we gotta, we gotta solve this problem through our heart and our mind. 
you know, together. Yes. Not independent. And when we, yeah. when we, when we live independently from our mind and our heart is when the disconnection happens and we can't survive like that. Right. This, we are, we are destroying ourselves living like that. And animals are teaching us. I think animals are our biggest teachers. Animals and, you know, like you were talking about, like we thought that this particular uh, turtle was completely extinct, a really important turtle. Mm. And it, it laid 100,000 eggs because it literally had two weeks of a beach that there was nobody on. Mm. Now, how can we not go? That turtle plays a massive part in our oceans. Mm. And even if you're someone that doesn't care about turtles, like really who cares if we have these turtles? Do you care about fish? Do you care about eating? Do you care about oxygen? Do you care about, do you care about anything that, that you survive on? Or you eat or breathe or, or whatever? Because if you do, it's pretty important that our oceans stay healthy. Yeah. If we can't allow, if we can't give up two weeks of sunbathing in order for a species, if we can't share a beach for two weeks, that, that, that says a lot about us as a species. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We I are very, we are spoiled children. We really are. We are very selfish, very self-centered, you know, um, and uh, very ignorant because we, we really do think we're the superior species and the way we treat the rest of the animals I'm, it's, it's very shameful, to be honest, you know, uh, um, very disrespectful, very, very disrespectful. So that's why, that's why I, I have, you know, with, with my attitude towards the coronavirus and what's been going on the last few months, I actually think it's a blessing in disguise. You know, I, I actually feel, you know, yay, one for earth, you know, <laughs> and I, I really hope that, that, you know, um, people are actually waking up and, and realizing what what they're doing before, you know, um, if they don't listen to the warning signs, we are going to be extinct. Because we are. No doubt. You know, Mother Earth will survive this, you know. We we will we we can destroy everything and then we'll end up destroying ourselves because we're so we're that stupid. But once yeah. we're gone my goodness, the earth, Gaia, will survive. She will thrive again. She will thrive again, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, like you, I really hope people are, are listening to the message that's being, you know, that people are going through with COVID-19 here because um, it's, I think this is the strongest warning that we've ever had as a race, to be honest, you know, uh, what's and, going on. And it doesn't, it doesn't negate the pain that people have gone through. Yeah. right it yeah. it like don't you know my mom died during covid and um i couldn't go home so it was one of one of the the worst experiences of my entire life right my entire life and it it wound up being something pretty profound but but i i i I, w I would always remember when she would say things to me like, don't let that go in vain, right? Like if something 
bad would happen. She's like, don't allow the suffering to go without like in vain, right? Don't, don't allow that to happen. Take that and make it, make, make it better. Like make your world stronger, make your life better, make your, well, it's, it's the same thing. A lot of, you know, people, when, I, when they hear me talk, they, they think that I'm being not, I'm not being empathetic about all the deaths and all the horrible tragedies and stuff. I, I am, I'm, 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 I'm hyper empathetic to it because I don't want it to keep happening. And I don't want all those people that died to die in vain. Because if we don't learn, they did. We don't learn from this, they did. People's who, you know, people's loved ones, people's, all the old people that died by themselves in, in old folks' homes and stuff. It's like, it's like, it's tragic. So let's not, let's, let's, let's think of them in a place, whatever, whether you're religious or spiritual or whatever, let's, let's look at them as, like I always say, my animals are my angels. Let's look at them as our, as our, 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 you know, our soldiers where, where they are, they are, their, their deaths are going to actually be what's going to save us because it was so tragic and we want to prevent it from ever happening again. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't just pretend, Oh, we have, you know, we're going to get a vaccine and everything's going to go back to normal. To me, that's the most disrespectful thing I have ever heard in my whole life. And like I said, I'm not saying anti-vax vaccine, don't vaccinate. I'm saying that thought process of feeling like we're going to get a vaccine and our lives are going to go back to normal is the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard to the deaths of those people in my entire life. Because mm -hmm. it's not going to go back to normal. And if, and if whoever's saying that's going to protect us from further outbreaks of viruses, if we don't find out why it happened and prevent it, the core issue, mm -hmm. I... I, I can't even believe that people are even buying that for one second, you know? Well, it, it, it boils down to, in the end, um, mindset, how you think, how you process, you know, um, events that happen. You know, there's, you know, they're saying like two ways of looking at life. Either life is happening to you or for you. You know, there's there's a subtle difference in that, and a lot majority of people usually look at life like all the things that happen. You know, all the uh, so-called obstacles or you know so-called roadblocks or, or you know uh, challenges that they face. They always think it's it's a, a negative, you know, and and they they end up complaining about it, moaning, whining, and you know uh, choosing a very downward spiral path instead of looking at like what you did is like okay you're coming at me i'm gonna i'm just gonna figure my way out and 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 get on with things you know i have a i have a vision in mind i i have a, a mission and i will overcome it so you look at challenges that come towards you and you end up making you know looking at the events not so much as maybe at that time, like, you know, oh my God, it's like bleep, 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 but it makes you a better person because you have that strength of mind and spirit 
you know, because you're, you're that connected to, you know, um, overcome it. You know, you, you, you overcome it. And a lot of people usually look at life and things that happen to them as something horrible. They'll say, oh, life is, is happening to me. Why, why, why? When actually they should look at it like, okay, this happened. But they should say, you know, instead of like moaning about it, they say, well, this, whatever's happening is to help me move forward in my journey to make me become a better person, you know? Um, I, think, I think that's what podcasts are for because I feel like I was so incredibly blessed. I had the most amazing mother in in the world and she was always my advocate and she was always supporting me to do the craziest things and believe in myself and my heart and my intuition and my my you know like it doesn't matter what people think of you it doesn't matter what you know if you're a good person and your and your your path is not particularly in the same on the same road as as what other people think it might it should be it doesn't matter they're not they're not they're not walking your walk you are and you have to be happy doing that and i and i feel like um um you know for people that didn't necessarily get that didn't get that support didn't have that kind of open-minded nurturing mother i think that's what this is for Right, like I think that what you and I are talking about right now, it's like it's never you're never too old, you're never too you're never too like you there's there's you're never too old to feel that connection with someone and have a support through whether it's a podcast or whether it's a mentor, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's it doesn't matter. It's it's there, but it gets put in your path. You know, someone all of a sudden listening, you know, to this podcast and they go, oh, you know, years old or I'm 40 years old and I've always wanted to do that. And, you know, I didn't think I was smart enough or I didn't think I had enough degrees or I didn't think it, it, that's the, it's not, it's just not true. Right. It isn't true. So the, the more examples of people being able to follow their heart and it, it's, it's a, it's just a little bit of a beacon of a light for anyone that's, that's listening, anyone that's, that's, that's scared, you know, to make, to make that step forward. You know, people like you, they listen and it's like, it's like a podcast is holding their hand, right. To take that step forward. It's, it's true. It's, 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 it's so important, you know, people's people's stories and we couldn't get our stories out there unless you were doing that right unless you were doing what you're doing so it's 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 this it's it really is this community connected togetherness love support um you know kind of like you just put your blinkers on if something crappy's coming your way stay in your lane right stay in your lane don't allow other people to drag you down don't let other situations drag you down speak your mind open your heart you know don't care i just don't care because you know it's just it's just it's your life not not anybody else's well i you know i think your mom was a wonderful person 
because she was your number one fan. And if it wasn't for her believing in you and seeing something in you, I think um, you wouldn't be where you are today. I, oh. I, I have this feeling, you know, because because if it wasn't for your mother's support and you know just just going out there and batting for you and 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 you know like laying the groundwork for you to grow in any direction you wanted, you know, um, yeah. very blessed, you know, and and I just want to say I'm I'm sorry that your mum passed, you know, because I um, I listened in on your stronger together by the way number one fan there <laughs> um and you know i can see listening to you share your story today how pivotal in a way you, you, how huge an influence your mother played in your life you know um and i just want to honor her you know in this podcast as well because if we didn't have her we wouldn't have you and the world is a better place with, with both of you. Because of her, we have you. And, you know, very, very blessed. So I just, I just want you to know, you know, um, thinking of her and, you know, sending blessings to her as well, you know, because she'll be so proud of you. I think, you know, seeing what you've accomplished today, you know, the lives you've touched, not just the animals, but even the humans that you're trying to connect and teach and reach out, you know, to spread this message. Um, she'll be so proud of you. She really would. So she is. She is. Yeah. It was a tough, it was a tough few months, but you know, I mean, stronger together came out of my, my grief from, yes. you know, yes. I felt so alone. I was like in this massive farm and you know we were in lockdown and I couldn't you know I couldn't get to my family I couldn't do anything and and it's like I just you know I kind of just sat by I have a cemetery where all my horses are buried and um I went over there and I just I just sat down and I was crying and I just I felt and then I thought to myself oh my god how many people feel like this right now I'm not the only one like how many how many mothers and fathers and loved ones are dying in old folks homes and hospitals and people can't even get in to say goodbye to them and says i'm not unique in this right i'm not i'm not unique in this pain and i just thought you know i just what i want is i would just i kind of just felt like i just said to my mom i don't know what to do like i i i i i was in so much pain and then and then i kind of felt like the pain that everybody was feeling right like like globally and i thought you know we we as a community of professionals i feel like we just need to come together and just give like a like a massive hug to all of our supporters everybody that you know follows us everybody that buys our products everyone that is is you know on that path of holistic health with their animals or on a spiritual path or on whatever you know it's like i wonder how lonely they are i wonder how you know and then i just called a few people up and said i want to do this free event i don't want it to cost anything i don't want it to be attached to products i don't want anything i want people to know that we're here for them right because a lot of people are stressed and stress affects animals and it affects us yeah why don't we try and teach them how you know it's like a like a you know massive a massive hug of oxytocin being pushed out into into the world 
and I got so much response that I couldn't take three quarters of the people that wanted to do this. Now that gives me goosebumps. You know, some of the best, most brilliant professionals in the world in this, in this, in this field didn't even blink. They were like, I was getting emails back, place, time, tell me what you want. What do you want me to do? It's an awesome idea. I think it's incredible. It was, it was, it was, an, it was, an, it was an unbelievable. And then we put a magazine out with all the people that wanted to be on it and we couldn't get them on it because we mm. just didn't, we would have had a, a week long, a week long <laughs> one, you know, like if I'd been able if I, you know, it was, it would have been amazing, but yeah, it's just, again, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like, listen, like, you know, the, that's what my mom would have done. My mom would have, you know what my mom would have done if a whole bunch of people were sad, they would, she would have opened her farm and cooked fried chicken and invited everybody over and took care of everybody. That's what she would have done. Just like, so I'm like, well, how do I do that? How do I hug everybody? How do I, how do I feed everybody? How do I, the only way I can feed everybody is with my education and my heart and my knowledge and what I have to give, you know, if I can feed them a little bit, give them a little bit of something to, to make them feel better, then that's what you need to do. Right. Yeah. So yeah, she was a special, very special lady, but I think that, that we all have specialness. Everybody does. And it, it's just, it's, it's finding it, right? Finding, having enough confidence to, to, to find our, find out who we really are. Why are we here? What did we, you know, what's our purpose? Cause we all have one. What would you say in your whole journey you're most proud of? Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm the most proud of. Mm, I don't know. I think. Maybe. Maybe the. I don't think I'm the most proud of anything that I've necessarily created. Mm -hmm. Like meaning, I don't think I'm, I'm like, I could say, Oh, I'm proud of my vet hospital or I'm proud of my adored beast business, or I'm proud of, you know, helping animals or I'm proud of whatever I could, I could, I could, I could tangibly find something, but I think I'm the most proud of, I'm learning to be proud of my tenacity and my, 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 um, never, my relentlessness of, of trying to make the world a better place, you know, trying to, and in order for me to do that, I have to do that with me. So always, I'm always digging in self-awareness ladder, always trying to shed that extra skin of ego 
you know, I'm always trying to, to, I think, so even to say I'm proud of that, it, it's more, it's more like, I think that that's, that's been my biggest challenge. How about that? The biggest challenge has been to constantly evolve and constantly learn and not, you know, step outside myself and, and, and find a better way all the time, right? Find a better way, look at things differently, connect. Now my, my, my never ending um, dedication to nature is probably my biggest, my biggest accomplishment, or maybe that's the most that I'm proud of, that is never giving up on, on nature. And, and maybe that's very beautiful no, I, 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 I think that's a beautiful answer because I think um, life as humans in our journey it's, it's all about evolving no matter how old you are we should always be constantly learning and striving to become better human beings you know, um, and I'm, I'm not just talking about degrees and education in the conventional sense, but, you know, I'm, I'm talking more like in the spiritual sense, because I think when we listen to our heart and we learn to evolve spiritually and become better, better human beings, you know, more humane, we will achieve amazing things. And I think for me, what I see in you is that in your journey, you know, you have constantly, you kept evolving and changing and growing, you know, with all the obstacles that came, all the challenges that came, you know, um, all that you've done in, in your career, material-wise, but spiritually as well, you know. Um, I, you know, that self-learning, that self-love, self-care is so important, even more so today, you know. If there's one thing that, that COVID-19... So yeah, it has is is like hello everybody wake up, you know, self care, self love very important, you know, being connected to nature, you know, maybe to some people they think it's a bit woo woo, you know, but I actually think it's very important because, just like you were talking about, you know, that that light bulb moment of the microbiome, healing the gut, and then everything else falls into place. That, that is what I've learned in my personal journey as well for myself and for my rescues. I realized that if we fix the gut, we start to heal. And I realized that because I had depression before as well. And I used to, I disrespected my body. So I used to smoke. I was a workaholic, you know, um, ate a lot of crappy food. I still do eat crappy food, but even more so in the past. You know, um, but I disrespected my body to the point where my body gave up on me. It literally, we, we literally, you know, I, you know, I had issues and then I had mental fog, you know, and only when I started to heal holistically and I started to make better choices and that sort of opened my mind and cleared my gut, my, you know, it helped. Healing my gut actually helped my brain that, you know, the, the, the brain gut axis so important. Henry, Henry, go see. Yeah, you know? it does. I mean, there is no, there's no, Henry, um, there, there is no, good boy. Um, there is no separation between your gut and your brain. 
yeah and yeah and with the brain and the heart so i was thinking you know the head the heart and the hand well it's connected you know what we what we think what we feel and what we do you know exponentially we create you know we if we if we can get it all aligned we'll create amazing things you know we can achieve amazing things you know uh with the world you know with the universe and stuff so you know i just if we look at ourselves like an ecosystem yep and we and we can kind of compare it to our ecosystem of our planet it's it's um keeping that homeostasis yes vitally important no matter whether you're a planet a person cow a dog tree you know we can't it's we're not alone right it's it's a we're earned our our bodies are like an ecosystem so it has to be diverse it has to be you know everything has to be connected the whole the whole the whole thing yeah so you know i you know i just want to thank you for taking the time today because i know you're a very busy lady you know uh especially you know doing your rescue work and taking care of the animals i just want to thank you so much for for making time to speak to me because it, it means a lot you have no idea <laughs> you know um how much i i respect you and you know um i i'm so honored that you're willing to share your story and your journey today uh with uh, on this podcast and you know i hope my wish is that you know it will benefit lots of other people listening you know and inspire them to to become better to you know to not feel so negative and and helpless but to realize that you know don't despair because there is a way forward you just have to believe you just have to do it you know and and to move forward and and we are not alone i think you know we have to always remember that we are not alone there are communities out there you know, there are people who actually do care and will support. You just have to be able to let go of your ego, you know, and, and, and all that baggage that, you know, conventionally we are trained and tied down and shackled, you know, to realize that uh, we can actually be a very awesome species, you know, <laughs> on this and, and members of this earth, you know, because we should actually be guardians of this planet, truly. And, and be, you know, be more respectful of what's going on. So I really want to thank you because uh, you're one of my superheroes. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I, but I feel equal. And, and I really mean that. I mean, there's, there's, you know, people are, you're one of the ones that are taking the, the light and shining so that we can, that people can, can hear and see and watch and, learn and and putting it out there right like like I could sit in this farmhouse and never talk to anybody and you know it and you're the one you're like the transporter of of that which is which is amazing it's a really amazing so don't uh don't um don't sell yourself short that's for sure Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm very humble. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll bet you anything, all your 12 cats. <laughs> 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 right on. She's like the 
best, man. She's like the most <laughs> amazing person in the whole world. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I think my my oldest cat, uh, Meow. Uh, she's the reason why I started this podcast. She's the reason why I started looking into holistic alternative um, modalities because. Um, because when I first adopted her as a kitten, I didn't know any better. You know, I, I did whatever my, my vet told me to do. And unfortunately, um, you know, the choices I made then, because I didn't know better then, I, I made her sick. So she's got, you know, digestive issues, IBD. She's 12 years, 12 years old now. And it's only the last few months this year that she recently started to eat raw. Um, oh, wow. Partly my fault because I spent many years in, I mean, like not many years, but I spent, you know, a large part of her life doing rescue work. So when you're doing rescue work and fostering and, you know, know. doing palliative care, you're, there's only so much your energy can be, you know, shared among, among the animals. And I, you know, I'm ashamed to say that I neglected her in that sense because she was a very stubborn cat. So you know, transitioning her from dry food to commercial wet and maintaining her wet for many years. And she refused to eat raw because I tried to feed her raw. I actually bought Dr. B's bath, you know, Dr. Billinghurst bath um, yeah. years ago when it first came. It was the very first frozen raw, commercial raw product that, was, that came into Singapore. Many, um, I don't know, I, I have to check, like more than six years ago. And I tried to give it to her and she didn't, she... You know, she <laughs> walked away. And so I kept it in my freezer for years. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so stubborn. You know, um, but it's because of her, all my other adopted cats, all my other fosters, all my other rescues, and those that I rehome today, they're all raw fat. And I look for homes and I try to educate potential adopters on the benefits of why I feed raw you know, uh, or at least a gently cooked fresh food diet. That's what I ask for, you know, uh, for my adopters. And I would usually, you know, tell them and, and when they come to my home, I'll, I'll show them. And one thing that a lot of them are surprised is that the lack of smell. Because, you know, when you, when you feed a cat a commercial diet, especially kibble, it stinks to high heaven. And you can actually smell it from outside before you enter the house. You, you can usually smell the, the caca and everything. Oh, but it's gross. I know. Yeah, so, sure. you know, when they come into my home and I, and I show them, and they're very surprised that I have number one, 12 cats because they don't usually see them because I make a cat super highway, I can't find my house. So they, you know, um, they don't feel like it's a lot of cats in a small area, in a small home. Um, but they're surprised by the lack of smell because normally these uh, yeah. potential adopters, they go from home to home, you know, or shelters and they're looking for, for cats to adopt. So they, they already know what a regular home smells like, a cat home. And there was one time actually, um, what sometimes I would do is if one of my cats donate some poop, I will actually scoop it up and bag it and put it in my pocket before they come, the, the potential adopters come to my home. And we'll walk around and I'll talk to them, you know, and I've got this caca in, my, in, in, uh, in a bag, <laughs> literally in my pocket. And then when, when we walk around and, you know, I tell them the story and they're interested, I say, oh, by the way, my animals are raw fat. You know, and they go like, some of, you know, and sometimes they'll be like, 
what does that mean? And then I'll explain, you know, do you notice there's no smell? And then I'll casually take out the bag of caca <laughs> and, you know, and I'll show it to them. And it's like, what's that? I said, oh, this is one of my cat's poop. And they will look at me with this, like, oh my gosh, she's loony beans, you know. But I will open it up. And I said, you couldn't smell it, could you? You know, and I'll actually open it and show them. And I get excited by poop. I love poop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, one of those, I'm one of those people that I love to look at my animals' poop. And I just check that, make sure they're okay. So I'll show them, see how well-formed, how small it is in volume, the lack of smell. <laughs> and they look at me. And, and the ones that end up adopting from me are the ones that they are sold because of that. It's yeah. the poop smell. That's the number one thing they tell me. You know that, wow. and they are willing to do the, the 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 fresh food diet. You know, and 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 usually I find those potential adopters are usually on their own path towards a healthier lifestyle. For sure, for sure, absolutely. You know, for so yeah, yeah. So those that's that's one of the things that I do. So you know, uh, being a rescue and you rescue and having your farm. That will be like, wow, if, if one day I can retire and, and, and migrate to a, another country, because Singapore is too small. I cannot have a farm here. They won't allow it, <laughs> number one. Oh, exactly. you know, um, but you know, my dream would be to you know, have a farm like you and take in rescues and stuff. You know, um, yeah. But I, I have so much respect for you. You have no idea. And I just want to thank you for all that you do for the animals because I'm sure your animals love you to bits. You know, I, I really well, do I think so. so. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I don't know, but I hope so. <laughs> well, you know, I think animals, I believe, like you, um, they are angels sent from heaven. I really do believe that. They, they, they are angels sent to heaven, from heaven to teach us things, different things. Every single animal, be it whether you eat them or, you know, they, you're rescuing them or they're flying in the air, you know, um, they are here for a reason. Each of them is to teach us something and it's up to us whether we learn it, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, sure. I, 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 I think you can give them. Yeah. And what you do is just amazing. Yeah. You, you know, your relationship with them is just amazing and, Thank you for celebrating life because, you know, uh, that, that is so important. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Julianne's story. Look out for Perfectly Holistic's founder, Pam Roussel's interview next week. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.